0: Section 14 of Lovecraft's Influences and Favorites. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Ian Verley. The White People, Part 2 by Arthur Machin. I was 13 nearly fourteen when i had a very singular adventure so strange that the day on which it had happened is always called the white day my mother had been dead for more than a year and in the morning i had lessons but they let me go out for walks in the afternoon and this afternoon i walked a new way a little brook led me into a new country but i tore my frock getting through some of the difficult places as the way was through many bushes and beneath the low branches of trees and up thorny thickets on the hills and by dark woods full of creeping thorns and it was a long long way it seemed as if i was going on forever and ever and i had to creep by a place like a tunnel where a brook must have been but all the water had dried up and the floor was rocky and the bushes had grown overhead till they met so that it was quite dark and i went on and on through that dark place it was a long long way and i came to a hill that i never saw before i was in a dismal thicket full of black twisted bows that tore me as i went through them and i cried out because i was smarting all over and then i found that i was climbing and i went up and up a long way till at last the thicket stopped and i came out crying just under the top of a big bare place where there were ugly grey stones all lying about on the grass and here and there a little twisted, stunted tree came out from under a stone, like a snake. And I went up, right to the top, a long way. I never saw such big, ugly stones before. They came out of the earth, some of them, and some looked as if they had been rolled to where they were. And they went on and on, as far as I could see, a long, long way. I looked out from them and saw the country, but it was strange. It was winter time. And there was black terrible woods hanging from the hills all around. It was like seeing a large room hung with black curtains, and the shape of the trees seemed quite different from any I had ever seen before. I was afraid. Then beyond the woods there were other hills round in a great ring, but I had never seen any of them. It all looked black and everything had a voor over it. It was all so still and silent, and the sky was heavy and grey and sad, like a wicked voorish dome in deep dendo. I went on into the dreadful rocks. There were hundreds and hundreds of them. Some were like horrid, grinning men. I could see their faces as if they would jump at me out of the stone, and catch hold of me and drag me with them back into the rock, so that I should always be there. And there were other rocks that were like animals, creeping, horrible animals putting out their tongues and others were like words that I could not say, and others like dead people lying on the grass. I went on among them, though they frightened me, and my heart was full of wicked songs that they put into it, and I wanted to make faces and twist myself about in the way they did, and I went on and on a long way till at last I liked the rocks and they didn't frighten me any more. I sang the songs I thought of, songs full of words that must not be spoken or written down then i made faces like the faces on the rocks and i twisted myself about like the twisted ones and i lay down flat on the ground like the dead ones and i went up to one that was grinning and put my arms round him and hugged him and so i went on and on through the rocks till i came to a round mound in the middle of them it was higher than a mound it was nearly as high as our house and it was like a great basin turned upside down all smooth and round and green with one stone like a post sticking up at the top i climbed up the sides but they were so steep i had to stop or i should have rolled all the way down again and i should have knocked against the stones at the bottom and perhaps been killed but i wanted to get up to the very top of the big round mound so i lay down flat on my face and took hold of the grass with my hands and drew myself up bit by bit till i was at the top then i sat down on the stone in the middle and looked all round about. I felt I had come such a long, long way, just as if I were a hundred miles from home, or in some other country, or in one of the strange places I had read about in the Tales of the Genie and the Arabian Nights, or as if I had gone across the sea, far away, for years, and I had found another world that nobody had ever seen or heard of before, or as if I had somehow flown through the sky and fallen on one of the stars I had read about where everything is dead and cold and grey and there's no air, and the wind doesn't blow. I sat on the stone and looked all around, and down and round about me. It was just as if I was sitting on a tower in the middle of a great empty town, because I could see nothing all around but the grey rocks on the ground. I couldn't make out their shapes any more, but I could see them on and on for a long way, and I looked at them, and they seemed as if they had been arranged into patterns and shapes and figures. I knew they couldn't be, because I had seen a lot of them coming right out of the earth, joined to the deep rocks below. So I looked again, but still I saw nothing but circles and small circles inside big ones, and pyramids and domes and spires, and they seemed all to go around and round the place where I was sitting. And the more I looked, the more I saw great big rings of rocks, getting bigger and bigger, and I stared so long that it felt as if they were all moving and turning, like a great wheel, and I was turning, too, in the middle. I got quite dizzy and queer in the head, and everything began to be hazy and not clear, and I saw little sparks of blue light and the stones looked as if they were springing and dancing and twisting as they went round and round and round. I was frightened again, and I cried out loud and jumped up from the stone I was sitting on and fell down. When I got up I was so glad they all looked still, and I sat down on the top and slid down the mound and went on again i danced as i went in the peculiar way the rocks had danced when i got giddy and i was so glad i could do it quite well and sang extraordinary songs that came into my head at last i came to the edge of that great flat hill and there were no more rocks and the way went again through a dark thicket in a hollow it was just as bad as the other one i went through climbing up but i didn't mind this one because i was so glad i had seen those singular dances and could imitate them i went down creeping through the bushes and a tall nettle stung me on my leg and made me burn but i didn't mind it and i tingled with the bows and the thorns but i only laughed and sang then i got out of the thicket into a close valley a little secret place like a dark passage that nobody ever knows of because it was so narrow and deep and the woods were so thick round it there is a steep bank with trees hanging over it and there the ferns keep green all through the winter When they are dead and brown upon the hill and the ferns there have a sweet rich smell like what oozes out of fir trees there was a little stream of water running down this valley so small that I could easily step across it i drank the water with my hand and it tasted like bright yellow wine and it sparkled and bubbled as it ran down over beautiful red and yellow and green stones so that it seemed alive and all colors at once i drank it and i drank more with my hand but i couldn't drink enough so I lay down and bent my head and sucked the water up with my lips. It tasted much better drinking it that way, and a ripple would come up to my mouth and give me a kiss, and I laughed and drank again and pretended there was a nymph, like the one in the old picture at home, who lived in the water and was kissing me. So I bent low down to the water and put my lips softly to it, and whispered to the nymph that I would come again. I felt sure it could not be common water. I was so glad when I got up and went on and I danced again and went up and up the valley under hanging hills. And when I came to the top, the ground rose up in front of me, tall and steep as a wall, and there was nothing but the green wall and the sky. I thought of forever and forever, world without end, amen. And I thought I must have really found the end of the world, because it was like the end of everything, as if there could be nothing at all beyond, except the kingdom of Vur, where the light goes when it is put out and the water goes when the sun takes it away i began to think of all the long long way i had journeyed how i had found a brook and followed it and followed it on and gone through the bushes and thorny thickets and dark woods full of creeping thorns then i had crept up a tunnel under trees and climbed a thicket and seen all the grey rocks and sat in the middle of them when they turned round and then i had gone on through the grey rocks and come down the hill through the stinging thicket and up the dark valley all a long, long way. I wondered how I should get home again, if I could ever find the way, and if my home was there anymore, or if it were turned and everybody in it into grey rocks, as in the Arabian Nights. So I sat down on the grass and thought what I should do next. I was tired, and my feet were hot with walking, and as I looked about I saw there was a wonderful well just under the high, steep wall of grass all the ground round it was covered with bright green dripping moss there was every kind of moss there moss like beautiful little ferns and like palms and fir trees and it was all green as jewellery and drops of water hung on it like diamonds and in the middle was the great well deep and shining and beautiful so clear that it looked as if i could touch the red sand at the bottom but it was far below i stood by it and looked in as if i were looking in a glass at the bottom of the well in the middle of it the red grains of sand were moving and stirring all the time and i saw how the water bubbled up but at the top it was quite smooth and full and brimming it was a great well large like a bath and with the shining glittering green moss about it it looked like a great white jewel with green jewels all around my feet were so hot and tired that i took off my boots and stockings and let my feet down into the water and the water was soft and cold and when i got up i wasn't tired any more and i felt i must go on farther and farther and see what was on the other side of the wall i climbed up it very slowly going sideways all the time and when i got to the top and looked over i was in the queerest country i had seen stranger even than the hill of the grey rocks it looked as if earth children had been playing there with their spades as it was all hills and hollows and castles and walls made of earth and covered with grass there were two mounds like big beehives round and great and solemn and then hollow basins and then a steep mounting wall like the ones i saw once by the seaside where the big guns and the soldiers were i nearly fell into one of the round hollows it went away from under my feet so suddenly and i ran fast down the side and stood at the bottom and looked up it was strange and solemn to look up there was nothing but the gray heavy sky and the sides of the hollow everything else had gone away and the hollow was the whole world and i thought at night it must be full of ghosts and moving shadows and pale things when the moon shone down to the bottom at the dead of the night and the wind wailed up above it was so strange and solemn and lonely like a hollow temple of dead heathen gods It reminded me of a tale my nurse had told me when I was quite little. It was the same nurse that took me into the wood where I saw the beautiful white people. And I remembered how nurse had told me the story one winter night, when the wind was beating the trees against the wall and crying and moaning in the nursery chimney. She said there was, somewhere or other, a hollow pit just like the one I was standing in. Everybody was afraid to go into it or near it. It was such a bad place. But once upon a time there was a poor girl who said she would go into the hollow pit and everybody tried to stop her but she would go and she went down into the pit and came back laughing and said there was nothing there at all except green grass and red stones and white stones and yellow flowers and soon after people saw she had the most beautiful emerald earrings and they asked how she got them as she and her mother were quite poor But she laughed and said her earrings were not made of emeralds at all but only of green grass then one day she wore on her breast the reddest ruby that anyone had ever seen and it was as big as a hen's egg and glowed and sparkled like a hot burning coal of fire and they asked how she got it as she and her mother were quite poor but she laughed and said it was not a ruby at all but only a red stone then one day she wore around her neck the loveliest necklace that anyone had ever seen much finer than the queen's finest and it was made of great bright diamonds hundreds of them and they shone like all the stars on a night in june so they asked her how she got it as she and her mother were quite poor but she laughed and said they were not diamonds at all but only white stones And one day she went to the court, and she wore on her head a crown of pure angel gold, so Nurse said, and it shone like the sun, and it was much more splendid than the crown the king himself was wearing. And in her ears she wore the emeralds, and the big ruby was the brooch on her breast, and the great diamond necklace was sparkling on her neck. And the king and queen thought she was some great princess from long way off, and got down from their thrones and went to meet her. But somebody told the king and queen who she was. And that she was quite poor. So the king asked why she wore a gold crown and how she got it, as she and her mother were so poor. And she laughed and said it wasn't a gold crown at all, but only some yellow flowers she had put in her hair. And the king thought it was very strange and said she should stay at the court and they would see what would happen next. And she was so lovely that everybody said that her eyes were greener than the emeralds, that her lips were redder than the ruby, that her skin was whiter than the diamonds and that her hair was brighter than the golden crown so the king's son said he would marry her and the king said he might and the bishop married them and there was a great supper and afterward the king's son went to his wife's room but just when he had his hand on the door he saw a tall black man with a dreadful face standing in front of the door and a voice said venture not upon your life this is mine own wedded wife then the king's son fell down on the ground in a fit and they came and tried to get into the room but they couldn't and they hacked at the door with hatchets but the wood had turned hard as iron and at last everybody ran away they were so frightened at the screaming and laughing and shrieking and crying that came out of the room but next day they went in and found there was nothing in the room but thick black smoke because the black man had come and taken her away and on the bed there were two knots of faded grass and a red stone and some white stones and some faded yellow flowers i remembered this tale of nurses while i was standing at the bottom of the deep hollow it was so strange and solitary there and i felt afraid i could not see any stones or flowers but i was afraid of bringing them away without knowing and i thought i would do a charm that came into my head to keep the black man away so i stood right in the middle of the hollow and i made sure that i had none of those things on me and then i walked around the place and touched my eyes and my lips and my hair in a peculiar manner and whispered some queer words that nurse taught me to keep bad things away then i felt safe and climbed up out of the hollow and went on through all those mounds and hollows and walls till i came to the end which was high above all the rest and i could see that all the different shapes of the earth was arranged in patterns something like the grey rocks only the pattern was different It was getting late, and the air was indistinct, but it looked from where I was standing something like two great figures of people lying on the grass. And I went on, and at last I found a certain wood which was too secret to be described, and nobody knows of the passage into it, which I found out in a very curious manner, by seeing some little animal run into the wood through it. So I went after the animal by a very narrow, dark way under thorns and bushes, and it was almost dark when I came to a kind of open place in the middle. And there I saw the most wonderful sight I have ever seen. But it was only for a minute, as I ran away directly, and crept out of the wood by the passage I would come by, and ran and ran as fast as I ever could, because I was afraid. What I had seen was so wonderful, and so strange and beautiful, but I wanted to get home and think of it, And i did not know what might not happen if i stayed by the wood i was hot all over and trembling and my heart was beating and strange cries that i could not help came from me as i ran from the wood i was glad that a great white moon came up from over a round hill and showed me the way so i went back through the mounds and hollows and down the close valley and up through the thicket over the place of the gray rocks and so at last i got home again my father was busy in his study and the servants had not told about my not coming home, though they were frightened and wondered what they ought to do. So I told them I had lost my way, but I did not let them find out the real way I had been. I went to bed and lay awake all through the night, thinking of what I had seen. When I came out of the narrow way, and it looked all shining, though the air was dark, it seemed so certain, and all the way home I was quite sure that I had seen it, and I wanted to be alone in my room. And be glad over it all to myself, and shut my eyes and pretend it was there, and do all the things I would have done if I had not been so afraid. But when I shut my eyes, the sight would not come, and I began to think about my adventures all over again, and I remembered how dusky and queer it was at the end, and I was afraid it must be all a mistake, because it seemed impossible it could happen. It seemed like one of Nurse's tales, which I didn't really believe in, though I was frightened at the bottom of the hollow. And the stories she told me when i was little came back into my head and i wondered whether it was really there what i thought i had seen or whether any of her tales could have happened a long time ago it was so queer i lay awake there in my room at the back of the house and the moon was shining on the other side towards the river so the bright light did not fall upon the wall and the house was quite still i had heard my father come upstairs and just after the clock struck twelve and after the house was still and empty as if there was nobody alive in it and though it was all dark and indistinct in my room a pale glimmering kind of light shone in through the white blind and once i got up and looked out and there was a great black shadow of the house covering the garden looking like a prison where men are hanged and then beyond it was all white and the wood shone white with black gulfs between the trees it was still and clear and there were no clouds on the sky I wanted to think of what i had seen but i couldn't and i began to think of all the tales that nurse had told me so long ago that i thought i had forgotten but they all came back and mixed up with the thickets and the grey rocks and the hollows in the earth and the secret wood till i hardly knew what was new and what was old or whether it was not all dreaming and then i remembered that hot summer afternoon so long ago when nurse left me by myself in the shade and the white people came out of the water and out of the wood and played and danced and sang and i began to fancy that nurse told me about something like it before i saw them only i couldn't recollect exactly what she told me then i wondered whether she had been the white lady as i remembered she was just as white and beautiful and had the same dark eyes and black hair and sometimes she smiled and looked like that lady when she was telling me some of her stories beginning with once on a time or in the time of the fairies but i thought she couldn't be the lady As she seemed to have gone a different way into the wood, and I didn't think the man who came after us could be the other, or I couldn't have seen that wonderful secret in the secret wood. I thought of the moon, but it was afterwards, when I was in the middle of the wild land, where the earth was made into the shape of great figures, and it was all walls and mysterious hollows and smooth round mounds, that I saw the great white moon come up over a round hill. I was wondering about all these things, till at last I got quite frightened because i was afraid something had happened to me and i remembered nurse's tale of the poor girl who went into the hollow pit and was carried away at last by the black man i knew i had gone into a hollow pit too and perhaps it was the same and i had done something dreadful so i did the charm over again and touched my eyes and my lips and my hair in a peculiar manner and said the old words from the fairy language so that i might be sure i had not been carried away i tried again to see the secret wood And to creep up the passage and see what I had seen there, but somehow I couldn't. And I kept on thinking of Nurse's stories. There was one I remembered about a young man who once upon a time went hunting, and all the day he and his hounds hunted everywhere. And they crossed the rivers and went into all the woods and went round the marshes, but they couldn't find anything at all, and they hunted all day till the sun sank down and began to set behind the mountain. And the young man was angry because he couldn't find anything and he was going to turn back when just as the sun touched the mountain he saw come out of a break in front of him a beautiful white stag and he cheered to his hounds but they whined and would not follow and he cheered to his horse but it shivered and stood stock still and the young man jumped off the horse and left the hounds and began to follow the white stag all alone and soon it was quite dark and the sky was black without a single star shining in it and the stag went away into the darkness and though the man had brought his gun with him he never shot at the stag because he wanted to catch it and he was afraid he would lose it in the night but he never lost it once though the sky was so black and the air was so dark and the stag went on and on till the young man didn't know a bit where he was and they went through enormous woods where the air was full of whispers and a pale dead light came out from the rotten trunks that were lying on the ground and just as the man thought he had lost the stag he would see it all white and shining in front of him and he would run fast to catch it, but the stag always ran faster, so he did not catch it. And they went through enormous woods, and they swam across rivers, and they waded through black marshes where the ground bubbled, and the air was full of will-o'-the-wisps, and the stag fled away down into rocky, narrow valleys, where the air was like the smell of a vault, and the man went after it. And they went over the great mountains, and the man heard the wind come down from the sky, and the stag went on, and the man went after at last the sun rose and the young man found he was in a country that he had never seen before it was a beautiful valley with a bright stream running through it and a great big round hill in the middle and the stag went down the valley towards the hill and it seemed to be getting tired and went slower and slower and though the man was tired too he began to run faster and he was sure he would catch the stag at last but just as they got to the bottom of the hill the man stretched out his hand to catch the stag it vanished into the earth and the man began to cry he was so sorry that he had lost it after all his long hunting but as he was crying he saw there was a door in the hill just in front of him and he went in and it was quite dark but he went on as though he would find the white stag and all of a sudden it got light and there was the sky and the sun shining and birds singing in the trees and there was a beautiful fountain and by the fountain a lovely lady was sitting who was the queen of the fairies and she told the man that she had changed herself into a stag to bring him there because she loved him so much then she brought out a great golden cup covered with jewels from her fairy palace and she offered him wine in the cup to drink and he drank and the more he drank the more he longed to drink because the wine was enchanted so he kissed the lovely lady and she became his wife and he stayed all that day and all that night in the hill where she lived and when he woke He found he was lying on the ground close to where he had seen the stag first and his horse was there and his hounds were there waiting and he looked up the sun sank behind the mountain and he went home and lived a long time but he would never kiss any other lady because he had kissed the queen of the fairies and he would never drink common wine anymore because he had drunk enchanted wine and sometimes nurse told me tales that she had heard from her great-grandmother who was very old and lived in a cottage on the mountain all alone. And most of these tales were about a hill where people used to meet at night long ago. And they used to play all sorts of strange games and do queer things that Nurse told me of. But I couldn't understand, and now, she said everybody but her great-grandmother had forgotten all about it, and nobody knew where the hill was. Not even her great-grandmother. But she told me one very strange story about the hill, and I trembled when I remembered it. She said that people always went there in summer, when it was very hot, and they had to dance a good deal. It would be all dark at first, and there were trees there which made it much darker, and people would come one by one from all directions by a secret path which nobody else knew, and two persons would keep the gate, and everyone as they came up had to give a very curious sign, which Nurse showed me as well as she could, but she said she couldn't show me properly. And all kinds of people would come. There would be gentle folks and village folks, and some old people, and boys and girls, and quite small children who sat and watched, and it would all be dark as they came in, except in one corner where someone was burning something that smelt strong and sweet, and made them laugh, and there one would see a glaring of coals, and the smoke mounting up red. So they would all come in, and when the last had come there was no door any more, so that no one else could get in even if they knew there was anything beyond and once a gentleman who was a stranger and had ridden a long way lost his path at night and his horse took him into the very middle of the wild country where everything was upside down and there were dreadful marshes and great stones everywhere and holes underfoot and the trees looked like gibbet posts because they had great black arms that stretched out across the way and this strange gentleman was very frightened And his horse began to shiver all over and at last it stopped and wouldn't go any further and the gentleman got down and tried to lead the horse but it wouldn't move and it was all covered with sweat like death so the gentleman went on all alone going farther and farther into the wild country till at last he came to a dark place where he heard shouting and singing and crying like nothing he had ever heard before it all sounded quite close to him but he couldn't get in and so he began to call and while he was calling something came behind him and in a minute his mouth and arms and legs were all bound up and he fell into a swoon and when he came to himself he was lying by the roadside just where he had first lost his way under a blasted oak with a black trunk and his horse was tied beside him so he rode on to the town and told the people there what had happened and some of them were amazed but others knew so when once everybody had come there was no door at all for anybody else to pass in by And when they were all inside, round in a ring, touching each other, someone began to sing in the darkness. And someone else would make a noise like thunder with a thing they had on purpose. And on still nights, people would hear the thundering noise far, far away beyond the wild land. And some of them, who thought they knew what it was, used to make a sign on their breasts when they woke up in their beds at the dead of night and heard that terrible, deep noise, like thunder on the mountains. And the noise and the singing would go on and on for a long time and the people who were in a ring swayed a little to and fro and the song was in an old old language that nobody knows now and the tune was queer nurse said her great grandmother had known someone who remembered a little of it when she was quite a little girl and nurse tried to sing some of it to me and it was so strange a tune that i turned all cold and my flesh crept as if i had put my hand on something dead sometimes it was a man that sang and sometimes it was a woman and sometimes the one who sang it did it so well that two or three of the people who were there fell to the ground shrieking and tearing with their hands the singing went on and the people in the ring kept swaying to and fro for a long time and at last the moon would rise over a place they called the Tol diol and came up and showed them swinging and swaying from side to side with the sweet thick smoke curling up from the burning coals and floating in circles all around them. Then they had their supper. A boy and a girl brought it to them. The boy carried a great cup of wine, and the girl carried a cake of bread, and they passed the bread and the wine round and round, but they tasted quite different from common bread and common wine, and changed everybody that tasted them. Then they all rose up and danced, and secret things were brought out of some hiding place, and they played extraordinary games, and danced round and round and round in the moonlight, and sometimes people would suddenly disappear and never be heard of afterwards, and nobody knew what had happened to them. And they drank more of that curious wine, and they made images and worshipped them. And nurse showed me how the images were made one day when we were out for a walk, and we passed by a place where there was a lot of wet clay. So nurse asked me if I would like to know what those things were like that they made on the hill, and I said yes. Then she asked me if I would promise never to tell a living soul a word about it, and if I did, I was to be thrown into the black pit with the dead people, and I said I wouldn't tell anybody. And she said the same thing again and again, and I promised. So she took my wooden spade and dug a big lump of clay and put it in my tin bucket and told me to say, if anyone met us, that I was going to make pies when I went home. Then we went on a little way till we came to a little break growing right down into the road, and Nurse stopped and looked up the road and down it, and then peeped through the hedge into the field on the other side, and then she said quick and we ran into the brake and crept in and out among the bushes till we had gone a good way from the road then we sat down under a bush and i wanted so much to know what nurse was going to make with the clay but before she would begin she made me promise again not to say a word about it and she went again and peeped through the bushes on every side though the lane was so small and deep that hardly anybody ever went there So we sat down, and Nurse took the clay out of the bucket, and began to knead it with her hands, and do queer things with it, and turn it about. And she hid it under a big dock leaf for a minute or two, and then she brought it out again, and then she stood up and sat down, and walked around the clay in a peculiar manner, and all the time she was softly singing a sort of rhyme, and her face got very red. Then she sat down again, and took the clay in her hands, and began to shape it into a doll, but not like the dolls I have at home, And she made the queerest doll i have ever seen all out of the wet clay and hid it under a bush to get dry and hard and all the time she was making it she was singing these rhymes to herself and her face got redder and redder so we left the doll there hidden away in the bushes where nobody would ever find it and a few days later we went the same walk and when we came to the narrow dark part of the lane where the brake runs down to the bank nurse made me promise all over again and she looked about just as she had done before and we crept into the bushes till we got to the green place where the little clay man was hidden i remember it all so well though i was only 8 and it is 8 years ago now as i am writing it down but the sky was a deep violet blue and in the middle of the break where we were sitting there was a great elder tree covered with blossoms and on the other side there was a clump of meadowsweet and when i think of that day the smell of the meadowsweet and the elder blossom seems to fill the room and if I shut my eyes, I can see the glaring blue sky, with little clouds very white floating across it, and Nurse, who went away long ago, sitting opposite me, and looking like the beautiful white lady in the wood. So we sat down, and Nurse took out the clay doll from the secret place where she had hidden it, and she said we must pay our respects, and she would show me what to do, and I must watch her all the time. So she did all sorts of queer things with the little clay man, and I noticed she was all streaming with perspiration. Though we had walked so slowly, and then she told me to pay my respects. And I did everything she did because I liked her, and it was such an odd game. And she said that if one loved very much, the clay man was very good. If one did certain things with it, and if one hated very much, it was just as good. Only one had to do different things. And we played with it a long time, and pretended all sorts of things. Nurse said her great-grandmother had told her all about these images, but what we did was no harm at all only a game but she told me a story about these images that frightened me very much and that was what i remembered that night when i was lying awake in my room in the pale empty darkness thinking of what i had seen in the sacred wood nurse said there was once a young lady of the high gentry who lived in a great castle and she was so beautiful that all the gentlemen wanted to marry her because she was the loveliest lady that anybody had ever seen and she was kind to everybody and everybody thought she was very good But though she was polite to all the gentlemen who wished to marry her, she put them off and said she couldn't make up her mind, and she wasn't sure she wanted to marry anybody at all. And her father, who was a very great lord, was angry, though he was so fond of her, and he asked her why she wouldn't choose a bachelor out of all the handsome young men who came to the castle. But she only said she didn't love any of them very much, and she must wait, and if they pestered her, she said she would go and be a nun in a nunnery. So all the gentlemen said they would go away and wait for a year and a day, and when a year and a day were gone, they would come back again and ask her to say which one she would marry. So the day was appointed, and they all went away, and the lady had promised that in a year and a day it would be her wedding day with one of them. But the truth was that she was the queen of the people who danced on the hill on summer nights, and on the proper nights she would lock the door of her room, and she and her maid would steal out of the castle by a secret passage That only they knew of and go away up to the hill in the wild land and she knew more of the secret things than anyone else and more than anyone knew before or after because she would not tell anybody the most secret secrets she knew how to do all the awful things how to destroy young men and how to put a curse on people and other things that i could not understand and her real name was the lady aveline but the dancing people called her Cassip which meant somebody very wise in the old language. And she was wider than any of them, and taller, and her eyes shone in the dark like burning rubies, and she could sing songs that none of the others could sing. And when she sang, they all fell down on their faces and worshipped her. And she could do what they called shibshou, which was a very wonderful enchantment. She would tell the great lord, her father, that she wanted to go into the woods to gather flowers, so he let her go. And she and her maid went into the woods where nobody came, And the maid would keep watch. Then the lady would lie down under the trees and begin to sing a particular song. And she stretched out her arms, and from every part of the wood great serpents would come, hissing and gliding in and out among the trees, and shooting out their forked tongues as they crawled up to the lady. And they all came to her and twisted round her, round her body and round her arms and her neck, till she was covered with writhing serpents, and there was only her head to be seen. And she whispered to them. And she sang to them and they writhed round and round faster and faster till she told them to go and they all went away directly back to their holes and on the lady's breast there would be a most curious beautiful stone shaped something like an egg and colored dark blue and yellow and red and green marked like a serpent's scales it was called a stone, and with it one could do all sorts of wonderful things and nurse said her great-grandmother had seen a glamestone with her own eyes and it was for all the world shiny and scaly like a snake and the lady could do a lot of other things as well but she was quite fixed that she would not be married and there were a great many gentlemen who wanted to marry her but there were five of them who were chief and their names were sir simon sir john sir oliver sir richard and sir roland all the others believed she spoke the truth and that she would choose one of them to be her man when a year and a day was done it was only sir simon who was very crafty who thought she was deceiving them all and he vowed he would watch and try if he could find out anything and though he was very wise he was very young and he had a smooth soft face like a girl's and he pretended as the rest did that he would not come to the castle for a year and a day and he said he was going away beyond the sea to foreign parts but he really only went a very little way and came back dressed like a servant girl so he got a place in the castle to wash the dishes and he waited and watched and he listened and said nothing and he hid in the dark places and woke up at night and looked out and he heard things and he saw things that he thought were very strange and he was so sly that he told the girl that waited on the lady that he was really a young man and that he dressed up as a girl because he loved her so very much and wanted to be in the same house with her and the girl was so pleased that she told him many things and he was more than ever certain that the lady aveline was deceiving him and the others and he was so clever and told the servant so many lies that one night he managed to hide in the lady aveline's room behind the curtains and he stayed quite still and never moved and at last the lady came and she bent down under the bed and raised up a stone and there was a hollow place underneath and out of it she took a waxen image just like the clay one that i and nurse had made in the break and all the time her eyes were burning like rubies and she took the little wax doll up in her arms and held it to her breast and she whispered and she murmured and she took it up and she laid it down again and she held it high and she held it low and she laid it down again and she said happy is he that begat the bishop that ordered the clerk that married the man that he had the wife that fashioned the hive that harboured the bee, that gathered the wax that my own true love was made of. And she brought out of an ombre a great golden bowl, and she brought out of a closet a great jar of wine, and she poured some of the wine into the bowl, and she laid her mannequin very gently in the wine, and washed it in the wine all over. Then she went to a cupboard, and took a small round cake, and laid it on the image's mouth, and then she bore it softly, and covered it up. And Sir Simon, who was watching all the time, though he was terribly frightened, saw the lady bend down and stretch out her arms and whisper and sing. And then Sir Simon saw beside her a handsome young man, who kissed her on the lips. And they drank wine out of the golden bowl together, and they ate the cake together. But when the sun rose, there was only the little wax doll, and the lady hid it again under the bed in the hollow place. So Sir Simon knew quite well what the lady was and he waited, and he watched, till the time she had said was nearly over, and in a week, the year and a day would be done. And one night, when he was watching behind the curtains in her room, he saw her making more wax dolls, and she made five and hid them away, and the next night she took one out, and held it up, and filled the golden bowl with water, and took the doll by the neck, and held it under the water. Then she said, "'Sir Dickon, Sir Dickon, your day is done.' You shall be drowned in the water wan, And the next day, news came to the castle that Sir Richard had been drowned at the ford. And at night she took another doll and tied a violet cord round its neck and hung it up on a nail. Then she said, Sir Roland, your life has ended its span. High on a tree, I see you hang. And the next day, news came to the castle that Sir Roland had been hanged by robbers in the woods. And at night she took another doll and drove her bodkin right into its heart. Then she said, Sir Noel, Sir Noel, so cease your life, your heart pierced with the knife. And the next day news came to the castle that Sir Oliver had fought in a tavern and a stranger had stabbed him to the heart. And at night she took another doll and held it to a fire of charcoal till it was melted. Then she said, sir john returned and turned to clay in fire of fever you waste away and the next day news came to the castle that sir john had died in a burning fever so then sir simon went out of the castle and mounted his horse and rode away to the bishop and told him everything and the bishop sent his men and they took the lady aveline and everything she had done was found out so on the day after the year and a day when she was to have been married They carried her through the town in her smock, and they tied her to a great stake in the marketplace and burned her alive before the bishop with her wax image hung around her neck, and people said the wax man screamed in the burning of the flames, and I thought of this story again and again as I was lying awake in my bed, and I seemed to see the Lady Aveline in the marketplace with the yellow flames eating up her beautiful white body, and I thought of it so much that I seemed to get into the story myself, and I fancied I was the lady and that they were coming to take me to be burnt with a fire with all the people in the town looking at me and i wondered whether she cared after all the strange things she had done and whether it hurt very much to be burned at the stake i tried again and again to forget nurse's stories and to remember the secret i had seen that afternoon and what was in the secret wood but i could only see the dark and a glimmering in the dark and then it went away and i only saw myself running and then a great moon came up white over a dark, round hill. Then all the old stories came back again, and the queer rhymes that Nurse used to sing to me and There was one beginning, halsey, Cusy Helen musty," that she used to sing very softly when she wanted me to go to sleep, and I began to sing it to myself inside of my head, and I went to sleep. End of the White People, Part Two by Arthur. Machin. This recording is by Ian Verley.